Alberta won a round in one of its many battles with the federal government after a key piece of legislation was struck down. The Supreme Court ruled Bill C-69, or the Impact Assessment Act, which affected the approval process for major projects on federal land was unconstitutional. Alberta had challenged it on the basis that it infringed on provincial jurisdiction. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Calgary Herald columnist Chris Varco joins me to discuss what made the act so controversial in Alberta, the court's reasoning in its decision, and how this all plays into the back and forth between Alberta and the Trudeau government. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, or even tell your friends about the show. So Chris, late last week, there was a big decision from the Supreme Court of Canada on a piece of legislation called the Impact Assessment Act. It may be better known as Bill C-69, as that's what it was called when it was introduced. Um, It was passed way back in 2019. So for people who may not remember much from the pre-COVID times, what was Bill C-69 and what was the intent that the federal government brought this legislation in with? Well, this uh, bill, C-69, as it was called back in the 2018-2019, was the federal liberal government's new Environmental Impact Assessment Act. It replaced an act that the Harper government had put in place, I believe, back in 2012. And the idea was to, to put in, uh, to enact basically a new legislation and new parameters around studying environmental impacts of major projects, which include things like energy pipeline projects or transmission lines uh, that are of significant scale. It also look at things like the health impact, the social and economic impacts, uh, the impacts on indigenous communities of these major projects going forward. So it was brought forward by the Liberal government and instantly it raised the hackles of many business groups, including much of the oil and gas industry. Uh, I remember at the time that the head of the Canadian Energy Pipeline Association said, if this act goes ahead, as it's written, there will be no more pipelines being proposed uh, of any significance in this country. And hence, it later was termed by its opponents as the uh, No More Pipelines Bill, uh, which was uh, something that Jason Kenney frequently called it. Now, as mentioned, the tons of opposition to this bill. Like, What was their concern about the act that led them to believe that there would be no more pipelines built if, if this law was passed? Well, their concerns, and it was also the concerns of the Alberta government at the time, uh, came across a number of different fronts. But basically, they said that it was going to create uh, a lot more uh, sort of bureaucracy, is going to put a lot more uncertainty into the process that ultimately the decision making would be in the hands of federal politicians, uh, that the timelines were uncertain. Now, much of these same criticisms were, or particularly the criticisms on the political decision making were also made on the previous Uh, legislation that it replaced. But it was really focused on the fact that they said that investors couldn't move, couldn't put money into a project or couldn't invest in a project and companies couldn't move forward on a project with any certainty about when they might actually get an answer and when they might actually be able to begin a project. Not even whether they would get a yes or no, but when they would actually get an answer on when they could move forward on projects. And so that is uh, what was sort of really at the heart of much of the criticism. And so like with the federal carbon tax, the Alberta government said that it was going to challenge the legislation in court. What was the basis for the legal challenge of this law? It was very complex, some of the arguments that were being made here, but the Alberta government uh, basically referenced over to the Alberta Court of Appeal uh, to rule on whether this was constitutional or not. So the provinces have jurisdiction over the development, exclusive jurisdiction over the development of natural resources 
within the provinces. And last year, the Alberta Court of Appeal came back and said this was their opinion that the federal legislation was offside the Constitution. So that led to a process where Ottawa sent this issue over to the Supreme Court of Canada for an, for an opinion. And the Supreme Court came back on Friday and said, uh, in part, sections of this act were unconstitutional. And so when you when you say sections of the act, so they didn't come out and say that the whole legislation is is bad. They, they said particular pieces of it. How did they reconcile the parts that were bad with the goals of the legislation or the, the need for environmental protection? Well, I think the court said that, you know, this kind of legislation is important, that environmental impact assessments are important. But the court's came up with sort of two different uh, outlooks on what the act did and said. The court concluded that the part of the act that governs projects that are actually built on federal lands or financed by federal authorities is in fact constitutional. But it also said that an element within the act, and this is a very big part of the act, is that the federal government's ability to deem what they call a designated project, what basically falls under the act, it went too far. It actually intruded under the provincial uh, jurisdictional realm. And so that's why the court in a 5-2 to two decision said, you know, there's no doubt that Parliament can enact impact assessment legislation, but the scheme, and I'm quoting from the court here and from the majority decision, the scheme plainly overstepped the mark. So for the Alberta government, this must have been seen as somewhat of a vindication, as I, as I know famously their, their challenge of the federal carbon tax was struck down. Uh, and they've been kind of back and forth with Ottawa on all sorts of matters that that might impact provincial jurisdiction. What was the the province's reaction to the Supreme Court decision that basically said, yeah, there's there are pieces of this legislation that that don't pass constitutional muster? I think jubilant is probably the right tone. Um, you know, Premier Smith uh, was uh, very satisfied, I think would be sort of uh, one way to put it. But no, very jubilant on, on the fact that they won this decision. This would have been a point that the provincial government has been making for years. And I remember former uh, environment and former energy minister, Sonia Savage, had said that the federal government had clearly, uh, you know, gone outside of its own lane and decided that they were going to try and, you know, uh, put forward their own authority over projects, some of which they said were clearly within the provincial responsibilities. And so they thought that this would be a very uh, important case to delineate exactly where do the federal government powers uh, sort of begin and end when it comes to these issues of, you know, where the environment and the energy sort of cross at, at this important nexus. And we've seen a lot of, obviously, a lot of different um pieces of legislation and regulations put in place by the federal government when it comes to trying to reduce emissions. And some of it obviously, as, as was uh, talked about by the courts in this case, some of it obviously did color over the lines of what they were allowed to do under the Constitution. And, and what was the reaction from the the oil industry and the business community in Canada? I, I, was this seen as, as overwhelmingly positive? Are they still kind of cautious because the, the feds could turn around and bring in amendments? To, to make changes to, to still live within the intent of their legislation? I would say uh, it was extremely positive um, in terms of where the business community landed. I know the Calgary Chamber of Commerce CEO, Deb Yedlin, called it a game changer. I was speaking to the Canadian Chamber of Commerce CEO, Perrin Beattie, who said he thinks this will help bring back some uh, certainty for investors. I know there are a number of business groups, including the Explorers and Producers Association of Canada and the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers, so two groups which represent the producing community, were both uh, very pleased with the decision. They 
you know, they were calling it a massively important case. So I would say that by and large, the reaction was uh, very positive towards the ruling. We'll be right back. On the flip side, though, I saw some commentary that basically said, well, it's not as big a slam dunk as the the provincial government would would like likely have you believe. And there are some people that say, well, yeah, there's all these other pieces of federal legislation around that that very much impede oil development. There's clean energy regulations that are coming uh, into effect. There's an emissions cap. There's a national price on carbon. So there, there are other ways that might see the industry hampered. What kind of, what is the, the nature of the ruling as, as far as that goes, the, the idea that perhaps it's not as good as, as the provincial government would have people believe? Well, I think that's a correct interpretation in the sense that there are other pieces of legislation out there which do have an impact upon these projects. As you pointed out, there's the incoming emissions cap in the oil and gas sector. There is the clean fuel regulations that are coming into place. So that is obviously, those things haven't, um, haven't gone away yet, and some of them will undoubtedly be challenged uh, by, by various provinces. And then, of course, there's also just the general question on market dynamics, you know, Will there be a need for these projects? Is there a desire to build any additional projects like an oil sands mine or new pipeline? Um, you know, is anybody going to willing to invest in that money given the demand outlook? Like, like those are all sort of critical elements that have to be taken into account when considering whether you know businesses are going to say, okay, now we're going to try and move forward on an investment that maybe we were sitting on the sidelines for uh, before Bill C sixty nine had a ruling on it. Mm-hmm. And then for the, the federal government's part, it, it says it intends to bring back the legislation with amendments. Do we know what they may be looking at as far as that goes? Is it just to address some of the concerns raised by the court, but to still say, well, we need to have a, uh, an impact assessment in, in place for these projects so we know what, what effect they could have uh, downstream in the environment? I don't think we yet really know what the details of that would look like. I mean, there was a clear intent and a clear signal sent by both the Natural Resources Minister, uh, Jonathan Wilkinson, and the uh, Federal Environment Minister, Stephen Guibault, that they were going to bring forward some changes to the Act um, and and try and make sure that they can, I, I guess, uh, fit it within what the ruling says. But what does that look like? That, that will be the really interesting part. I mean, there was a big chunk of this, uh, of, of this legislation that was ruled offside. So how do you actually replace that much? And what does it look like? And how much consultations will you have to do with the provinces and with stakeholders? Like, there's a lot of questions that will need to be answered before uh, that can be rewritten. I don't think it's just as simple as they can make a few, you know, small amendments and bring it through Parliament. I think this is, you know, this is going to be a fairly lengthy process, I would guess. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the process to bring it in in the first place was pretty lengthy itself. I remember lots of hearings, uh, Jason Kenney and, and opposition leader at the time, uh, although premier previously, Rachel Notley also speaking out against the legislation, looking at, looking at this from a political perspective in Alberta, does this position the Alberta government and specifically premier Smith, who's, who's made a lot of hay of, of picking fights with Ottawa. Does this position her in a, in a stronger stance in other battles with the federal government, does this impact any of her other beefs with the feds, or or is this just kind of one piece of many? Well, I think uh, I think both of those perspectives are, are somewhat right. This is one piece of many pieces, um, and 
whether this ruling provides a template for other cases like the emissions cap, like clearly the Smith government has indicated that they're going to try and challenge Ottawa if they move forward on the oil and gas emissions cap and, and don't put in some sort of modifications that they're seeking. But as, uh, as University of Alberta uh, professor Andrew Leach said to me, you know, each of these cases is built upon different circumstances. So the, so the decision that we saw in 2021 on the federal carbon tax went one way. The decision on Bill C-69 went the other way. They're both argued with, with different arguments, with different cases, with different circumstances. And I think the real key will be uh, for the Smith government, for the Alberta government, is on what is the basis on which they try and challenge those other pieces of legislation that they think encroach upon their constitutional rights to develop resources. Uh, you know, and, and so I think it'll be an individual kind of case. Do you think Smith feels more emboldened now to say, okay, we're going to challenge this and we're going to challenge that and we're not going to give the feds an inch on any of these things? And I know she even raised the specter of the Sovereignty Act uh, in relation to this. How does that play in? I, I agree. I think this absolutely puts wind in the sail of the idea that they can go to court and that they can challenge these cases that the federal government has brought forward or these, these pieces of legislation that the federal government rather has brought forward and that they actually have a footing on which to make make the case. I think they, they had lost this case after losing the case on the carbon tax. I think people would have wondered, well, what's the point? You know, if you're going over two. Why would you try and go for a third or a fourth case uh, in front of the courts? But now they've got a pretty clear ruling from the Supreme Court of Canada, a five to two decision that ruled in the favor of the Alberta government. And I, so I, you know, I absolutely believe that they think that they have a, have, a, have a shot now at winning some of these other cases. Well, I mean, Alberta federal relations are always an interesting topic for discussion. Curious to see how this one plays out down the line. Chris, thanks for your time. Thanks so much. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Chris Varco. More from him at calgaryherald.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.